Good morning. Uh, welcome again to Vertical Church. My name is Josh. I'm the lead teaching pastor uh, here at VC, and we are in Shepherd Week 4. Uh, Shepherd is a series that we're doing uh, through the Psalm 23. It's one of the most famous uh, writings, really, even in all of history. Uh, I know that myself, I... Um, I had to, to memorize it as a junior in high school and recite it in front of the class because my teacher thought it was a good opportunity to, um, to bring in some scripture uh, so that, um, you know, people would, uh, I don't know, like crazy redneck kids would at least have to read something in the Bible. And so um, <laughs> I'm just telling you, listen, just because you grow up in the South doesn't like automatically guarantee that you know Jesus. And so... Um, I know, I know that's true. Um, anyway, uh, so we're in this series. It's called Shepherd. We've been working our way verse by verse uh, through this chapter. This is week four, so that means we're on verse four. Uh, it's not that complicated of a of a series. Don't you hate it when your iPad? Well, I don't want it that way. I want it this way. There we go. I just had to tell it in the name of Jesus to move, and it did. It obeyed me. Every knee shall bow, iPad, in the name of Jesus. Anyway, uh, this series, uh, we've had one real main idea throughout the entire series, and it's just this. It's that um, there, there is an outer stability that comes from an inner tranquility, and that in these words of the shepherd. David uh, was a shepherd before he was a king. And in these words of the shepherd, there is, there is peace that's made available to you and me. And that peace, when it gets on the inside, it works its way out into an outer sense of peace. Have you ever met people that, like, their life is just real chaotic? Like, they're constantly, you know, in turmoil? Or how... Do you have that friend on Facebook that posts about how much they hate drama, but they're always in the middle of drama? Anybody? I'm talking about maybe if you don't, you're that friend. Right? It's, it's, this, it's this idea that there is an inner peace that's available to us. David talks about it in Psalm 23. And when we get that inner peace in us, it results in an outer peace, an outer tranquility. And so what we've been doing is um, we've, been we've been starting every week by saying Psalm 23. My hope is if you don't read any scripture through the week, at least you have to say it out loud on Sunday. And so uh, we're going to go verses 1 through 6. We're going to say it all out loud together. And maybe by the end of the series, you'll have this committed to memory. I think I do. I'm pretty sure, but I don't know if I have this version or a conglomeration of versions. Hello, you know what I mean? Like I got a little King James, a little New King James, a little NIV, a little something else, a little, little Josh paraphrase, you know, uh, kind of all mixed in. So uh, maybe next week I'll give it a shot. I won't look at my iPad. I won't look at the screen and you get a test like you test me, but you need to come next week because if I miss something, you got to help me out. Um, here we go. Uh, it's on, it'll be on the screen. Uh, let's start with verse one, all over the auditorium, downstairs, upstairs, floor, balcony, whatever you want to call yourselves. Here we go. Uh, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you put your hands together just for the word of God? I mean, God, you don't even have to preach. We could just say amen and go home. David done brought... Uh, brought the noise in Psalm 23, but uh, we're going we're gonna to lean into verse 4 because it's the fourth week and it's verse 4, so uh, I'm going to read it again to you uh, because I, wanna, I want us to make sure that we, we zero in on this verse. Here we go. He says, he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice he did not say, yippee. <laughs> No, he said, yay, like, oh, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's so much in this verse uh, that we're going to try to try to cover this morning in the next um, 25, 30 minutes that probably don't have enough time to really get into it, but right now I'm wasting time, so let's just dive into it. He says, though I walk through the valley. I want to talk to you this morning about valleys. Uh, Valleys are interesting places. Um, Here's the truth. If you, like we have this uh, metaphor that we talk about climbing the mountain of success, or or we have this idea that, that if we could get to the top of the mountain, whatever the mountain is, that, that there is the, there is this metaphorical mountain that we're trying to get to. But here's the truth. Mountains and valleys go together. You can't have one without the other. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. They're just, you, you don't, those of you who eat peanut butter sandwiches are just weird. Why are you missing out on the jelly? It goes together, PB and J. It's not PB and nothing. It's PB and J. And if you want to get to the mountain, it means it, it, it means you're gonna have to walk through some valleys. And David knew this. David knew this because he was a shepherd. You see, in Israel, in ancient Israel at this time, every spring. Shepherds, uh, near the end of spring, shepherds would take a, a, a journey with their sheep. What would happen is, is in the wintertime and early part of spring, the sheep would graze in the pasture land that was close to the home. So they wouldn't wander far because, you know, wintertime can be a tough time. It can be sparse. It can be uh, you, you want to you get home quickly. But then what would inevitably happen is the flock would graze so much in the springtime pasture that they would start leaving it a little bare. And so the shepherd would then have to take the flock on a journey to the mountains where they would, they, they would stay for months in the summertime with the flock, letting them graze on the summer pasture. So this entailed the shepherd leading the flock on a long drive through valleys. Because in order to get to the mountain, you've got to go through 
the valley. We know David did this. If you're familiar with the story of David, um, uh, he, there, there's this story that uh, Saul is the king of Israel, and um, he's made a mess of things. Like, God has given up on him. He's like, man, this guy, what a, I, I re, however you put this in your theology, right? Like, God says, I, I wish I'd never even made him king. He's horrible. So I'm going to pick a new king. And so uh, he tells Samuel, the prophet, to go to Jesse's house. Jesse is David's dad. And he says, there's a, there's a son of Jesse that I'm going to have you anoint to be the next king of Israel. And so, so Samuel shows up. And uh, he looks at all of the, the sons, and he's like, none of these. God's not picking any of these. Jesse, do you have anybody else? And Jesse says, well, yeah, there's the youngest, David, but where's he at? He's not home. Why is he not home? Because he's got the sheep going to the mountainside. He's, he's got them. He, he doesn't have them on a pasture land that's right next to the house. No, no, no. They're, they're a long ways away. So Samuel sits down and says, go send for him. And so somebody takes off and they find David and they bring him back and he gets anointed to be king. And so David knew a thing or two about moving sheep through valleys in order to get to the summertime pasture land. He knew that, that when you moved sheep through the valley, you were moving, moving them through a dangerous place. There's another portion of scripture I shared during our uh, volunteer rally this morning. If you don't serve every morning about 9 o'clock, all the people who are volunteering come into this auditorium. We have a little uh, a moment. We pray. We pray for you. We pray God would just wreck you and, and mess your face up when you leave today. So, um, <laughs> so, so uh, there's this story. Oh, it blew my mind this week. It's so stinking cool, man. Like you thought you knew David, but you didn't know anything about him. So... Um, David is, is uh, home, and his dad sends him to his brothers who are on the battlefield uh, to, to take them lunch, basically, to take them supplies. And at this point, Goliath is still alive, and he's taunting the, the, the army of Israel. And David shows up, and it ticks him off. He's like, who does this Philistine think he is? Actually, he says, who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is? Talking about my God. And so he's like, I'll take him out right now. And Saul, who's the king at the time, he says, who do you think you are? Like, you're a small little man, right? Like, I don't think you need to go fight this giant. And David says, he says, no, you don't understand, King Saul. I've been in the valley when my sheep, when, when sheep in my flock were attacked by lions and bears. And I chased them down. And I love this. This is so Cool. Verse 34, I think it is of chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. Look it up if you don't believe me. He says this. He says, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. David caught a lion by its mane. Think about that. That's savage. That is a bad man. No wonder God's like, that dude's going to be my king. Do you see what he did to that lion? He caught it by the beard. I wouldn't grab some of you by the beard. <laughs> but David like just grabbed the lion by the beard and whacked him over the head and killed him. That's awesome. <laughs> totally side point, though. Here's what I know that's true about you this morning. Talking about the valley. You're either in a valley this morning or you're about to head into a valley or you're coming out of a valley. Everybody in the auditorium, if you're watching online, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you're either in a valley, you're about to go into a valley, or you're coming out of a valley. That's all of us. And the truth is, I don't know what your valley looks like. I don't know what it's what its shape is. I don't know what it what it what it consists of. You might be in a valley 
of cancer this morning and you just got the news and, and so you're walking into this valley of cancer and you don't know what to do and it feels like everything is going a little bit haywire and it's just chaos and danger and turmoil. Or maybe, maybe you're, you're coming out of a valley of addiction. And, and for years, you were, your, your life was characterized by this addiction. It might be to a substance. It might be to, to a relationship. It might be to a social status. But you had this thing that fed your ego or fed your physical body that you couldn't say no to. And maybe you're in that valley. Maybe you're here and you're in a financial valley. You didn't see it coming. Uh, maybe it's your fault. Maybe you're a bad manager of your finances and you need to be better. Okay, fine. I don't know how you got to the valley, but those are us in the room who are in a valley know what I'm talking about. And if you're not in a valley, you're about to be or you're coming out of one. This is what's true about every one of us. And I want you to understand this morning, if you find yourself in the valley, if you find yourself about to head into the valley or come out of the valley, I want you to know something. That experience is real, and God sees it. God sees you in the valley, and he cares about you. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to preach to you a message that I'm titling, How to Be Brave Even When You're Scared to Death. How to be brave. If you're, if you're taking notes, that's what we're talking about today. Because there are a few things in this verse that if we take hold of these, we can be brave in the middle of the valley. And the first one is this. The first one is we have to remember his purpose. We've got to remember his purpose. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your life, and particularly, God has a plan for you in this valley. Just because you're here doesn't mean that God doesn't have a purpose for you. No, no, no. God has a purpose for you in the valley. Well, what is it, Pastor Josh? It's to bring you through it. God has a purpose for you, to bring you through. You see, valleys have a beginning and an end, they have a start and a finish. If they didn't have an end, it would be called a dead end. It wouldn't be called a valley. Valleys have a beginning and an end. A valley does not end in just a rock wall. It doesn't end that way. It has a beginning and an end. And in this verse, God's promise to you and to me is to lead us through the valley. He doesn't promise to lead you around it. He's not going to take you over it or under it or beside it. But he said, I will lead you through the valley. So that means the valley is not your permanent destination. You were not created to live in the valley. But so many people will build a house in the valley when the Lord only wants them to pitch a tent. This is not your permanent location. It's just temporary. This isn't going to be forever. This isn't your, 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 your forever home. This is just a valley. How do you know that, Josh? How, do you, how, how can you be so confident about that? Because I've read the back of the book and he wins every time. It's just a valley. It's just, it's just temporary. This isn't the end of the road. It's just a bend in the road. So don't, don't, don't get comfortable in your valley. This is not the time to lay down. This is not the time to give up. 
This is not the time to quit. You're, you're not going to stay here. You're not, you're not meant to live in a place you're just passing through. You're just passing through. My mom had this saying to me when, when things would be difficult or things would be tough or we would go through something. She would say, son, this too shall pass. Your valley, you're, you're passing through. You're not, you're not staying there. It might not be quick. Okay, your valley might be months, years, decades. You might be walking through this thing for a long time, but I promise you this too will pass. Every valley has an end, so don't settle there. Don't settle in there because valleys are dangerous places and shepherds know this. Shepherds know that that the valley can be a dangerous place. The valley would be a place where predators would hide in the, in, in, the, in the sides of the mountain on either side of the valley and wait and stalk their prey as they're coming through. But the most common, the most common uh, form of death in the valley is not from predators. It's actually from, from floods. Because the rain will come, and where does the, when the rain falls, where does the water wash out? It goes through the valley. And so, so uh, you, you had to be aware not only of predators, but also of flash flooding and rock slides and sudden storms. But in the midst of all of the potential danger, a shepherd knew that the valley was still the best way to get the flock to their ultimate destination. I mean, it's going to be easy, but God knows that in order for you to get where he wants to take you, he's got to have to lead you through some valleys. See, a shepherd knows that, 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 that a, sh- a good shepherd only takes sheep through a barren place because he's leading them to a better place. God's got, God's got a purpose for you on the other side of this valley. That's why his purpose for you in the valley is to take you through it. Now, you can kick and scream. You can throw a tantrum. You can lay down in the valley and and kick your feet up in the air and say, I'm not moving. Or you could just keep on walking. Hello? You could just put one, you could put one foot in front of the other. And if you would do that, you'd get out faster. Every moment that you waste complaining about your valley is time you could spend getting through your valley. So just keep moving. Remember, God's purpose for me in this valley is to get through it. So I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop and complain. I'm not going to stop and whine. I might, I might vent to a friend, but I'm not going to camp out here. I'm not going to build a house here. Why? Because I'm going through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So the first thing we have to remember when we're in a valley or heading in or coming out is we've got to remember his, his, his purpose. His purpose is to bring me through this. And, and if he's bringing me through it, it means he's got something better for me on the other side of it. The second thing, number two, is we have to remember his presence. His presence. His presence. The valley can be a, a fearful place. That's why David calls it the valley of the shadow of death. It's a little dramatic, wouldn't you say? Like, David, that's a little dramatic language. And he's like, I know, but that, 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 that captures the experience, does it not? Like, like, have you ever felt like you're in a valley of the shadow of death? Yeah, it's dramatic, but it's real. And, and, and the truth is you can live bravely even in the valley of the shadow of death when you remember his presence. His presence. What does David say? He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In what? He says, I will fear no evil. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty brave statement there, Brother David. 
How, how can you say that? Because he's with me. For you are with me. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down, put this on your refrigerator, because it's that good, okay? His presence gives us the perspective we need not to live in the fear we feel. His, his presence gives us the perspective, the vision that we need so that we don't live in the fear that we feel. It doesn't mean that fear is not real. It doesn't mean that, that it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean the valley isn't a dangerous place. No, no, no. The fear is real. The fear we feel is real, but we don't have to live in it. Why? Because we're not alone. When I'm walking through the valley, I don't have to trust my own strength. I don't have to get myself through this valley. I'm walking with him. And if I'm walking with him, that means he's, he's got me. Notice, notice something. David, David shifts his language in Psalm 23. It's subtle. You might not have even seen it. You, you might have missed it. Um, this is something that we're, we're doing a discipleship series right now on how to study the Bible. This is one of the things we're going to talk about. When you see a shift, like I'm about to show you, this is something to clue you in to say, hey, there's something here. In the first three verses, David speaks to us and God's listening. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's telling us, hey, the Lord, the Lord's my shepherd, so I, don't, I, I shall not want. He, he, I'm not talking to him, I'm not saying you, I'm saying he, so I'm talking to you about him. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm talking to you about him. And he's listening in. But then here, when David starts seeing the valley of the shadow of death approaching, his language changes. It shifts. And the poem becomes a prayer. Because no longer is he talking to us about God. He says, oh, pardon me for a second. I didn't know that valley was about to happen to me. I got to talk to God for a second. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Not because he's with me, because you are with me, God. And he directs his face towards God. David knew where to turn in the face of fear. He didn't turn to the other sheep. He turned to the shepherd. He didn't look at the problem and stare at the problem. He stared at the shepherd and he said, even though I'm walking through this valley, I'm not going to fear any evil because you're with me, God. Amen. Some of us need to stop talking about God. We need to start talking to God. Amen. We do a lot of talking about God. When you're hurting, when you're going through the valley, it's not time to talk about God. It's time to talk to God. When uh, Just the other day, I shared a little bit about this last week that, that you know, for the last couple of weeks, I just kind of had this weird thing, feeling, you know, just you go through those times. And, and, and I was driving in the car and, uh, and that kind of like settled on me. And I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm just trying to figure out like, what do you like? What's going on and all this stuff. And 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 I just realized like I've been studying this and I just said, you know what I need to do? I need to stop talking about my problem. I need to stop talking really about God. And I just need to not I was driving, so I didn't throw my hands up, but I just need to, you know, meditate throw my hands up and say, God, I know you're with me. And God, I'm going to stop measuring the size of the mountain I'm going to climb. And I'm going to start talking to the one who can move it. I don't need to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. I need to talk to the one who holds it in his hands. I don't have to be scared when I'm in the valley because you are with me. Do you notice we worry about things that haven't even happened yet? 
We get so anxious about stuff that's not even happening. And David shows us what to do with that. Do you notice that when, when David says, he says, he says, I will fear no evil. He, David's talking about a valley he hadn't even entered yet. He's, he's doing what's called, he's making a pre-decision. It, this is a term uh, coined by a guy, I don't remember his name, I read an article about it, it's so interesting. What he did, he was, he was talking to his, his son, and, and he, he asked his son, he said, okay, son, uh, what kind of person do you want to be? What, nothing's going on in your life right now, there's no stress, there's no, there's no drama. What kind of person do you want to be? And the son said, well, you know, Dad, I, I want to I grow up and be a trustworthy, and I want to be faithful, and I want to be a source of strength. And, and his son kind of listed, here's the kind of person I want to be. And his dad said, good. So, son, when you said you want to be faithful to, to, to your wife for your whole life, all right, son, that's cool. When a girl comes around flirting with you that's not your wife, how are you going to respond? Don't wait till you're in the middle of it to make a decision in the midst of distress. Decide now based on the kind of person you want to be. Make a pre-decision. And that's what David does. David says, I'm not going to wait until I get into the valley to decide how I'm going to respond to the fear that I'm going to feel. I'm going to pre-decide. I'm going to be a person that trusts him no matter what. That's my pre-decision. So when I walk into the valley, I've already decided how I'm going to act. I'm not going to fear any evil because I know he's going to be there. And if he's going to be there, whatever I need to get through this, he's going to give it to me. I've pre-decided. Some of y'all need to make some pre-decisions. How am I going to respond when this stress comes into my life? How am I going to respond when my boss walks in with a bad attitude? How am I going to respond when they critique and criticize my project for no good measure? <laughs> How am I going to respond when my spouse isn't responding to me the way I want them to? How am I, I, I'm not going to do it in the midst of the heat. I'm going to do it before I get to the valley. So that I already know, I, I pre-decide. Uh, let me. Um, we took a trip uh, a couple weeks ago to um, to Washington D.C. And uh, Hope's mom was flying out of uh, Dallas to England, where she's gonna like spend a month and write. And it's really cool for her. She's a professor. She can do that. That's awesome. So uh, we took, you know, we went up there with her, and and then we decided, hey, we're just gonna hang out in a couple of days in D.C. Well, when we go to D.C., we drive typically, we, we stay somewhere in Woodbridge, south of D.C. Uh, it's cheaper, a little bit cheaper-ish. You know, D.C.'s all expensive, but whatever. Um, we, we stay somewhere in Woodbridge. Then we drive to Franconia because there's a little uh, metro stop right there where you can park and leave your car all day, hop on the blue line, go into the city. Because I lose my sanctification getting to Franconia, I'm not going to risk my salvation trying to drive into D.C., I'm just telling you, okay? So I'll ride the blue line. I'll take 30 minutes and stop at every metro stop so I can stay saved. And so we do that, and it might it costs a little bit extra. It costs, like I, we got to pay for our kids to get on and get off and all that, but that's fine. I'll do that so that me and Jesus stay cool. So what we do, but this is what we do. This is what we do. Um, we, we, we get the kids, they're a little smart pass, right? But they're kids. So I'm not going to give it to them right away. I'm going to give it to them when they need it, when they're about to walk into the turnstile. So what we do every time where we're going and then we get to the place where you got to beep, do the card, I give it to them, I wait on the other side, and I take it back immediately, right? Like, you can give it to me now. Right when they're at the turnstile, just when they need it, 
I give it to them. I put in their hands what they need to face what they're going through. I'm hoping you're starting to make a connection here because I dare you to believe that when I walk into the valley, God's going to do the same thing for me at just the right time, not before I need it, but right when I need it. My Savior will give me what I need to deal with what I'm going through so that I can get on the other side of this thing that's keeping me from where I want to go. God, that's how God works. He doesn't give it to you before you need it. Because if he did, you'd waste it. So he waits right into the moment you need the peace, right into the moment you need the grace, right into the moment you need the strength, and then he's given it to you freely. But the catch is, he's been there the whole time. He didn't leave you. He just hadn't given you what you need to get through it yet until you need it. Number three, so we got to remember his purpose, his, his presence, and the last one is his peace. His peace. He says, uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was a symbol of strength. It was a symbol of the shepherd's strength. It was a shorter stick. It was, it was more like a club, really. Like it, it, had, it, was, it was a short stick with like a, a knot or a ball or something on the end of it, and it was a serious weapon. This is probably what David used to hit the lion over top of the head when he grabbed its beard, right? Grabbed the beard, hit him with the rod, okay? So this was a serious weapon. It was a, it was a, it was a weapon of defense and deterrent. And when the sheep knew that the shepherd's got his rod, I don't have to stress. I can be comforted because he's going to defend me and he's going to deter any enemy that wants to come carry me away. So for a sheep, the rod, even though it was a weapon of violence, it was a source of comfort to the sheep because this meant the shepherd has got my back. The shepherd's going to defend me when I need defending. But the shepherd doesn't just have the rod, he's also got the staff. The staff is a symbol of compassion. More than anything else, it identifies the shepherd as a shepherd. No other profession uses a shepherd's staff. It was a, it was a long stick, so the rod's a short stick. Uh, you could put it on like a belt or something, but the, the, the shepherd's staff was long, and it had a little curved uh, kind of hook, not like sharp, but just a curved uh, hook at the end. And what the shepherd would do, uh, the shepherd would manage the flock with the staff. He would never beat the sheep with the staff, okay? Shepherds who beat their sheep are bad shepherds. They're not good shepherds. So he would, he, when, when, when a sheep was a little shy and not making that bond with the shepherd, he would take the staff and he would draw the sheep to him so they could form this bond of intimacy. And sometimes God will do that to you. When you've, when you've strayed a little, when, you, when you've been shy, when you haven't been, he'll, he'll pull you into himself so that he can spend time with you. Sometimes the shepherd would have to inspect the sheep. Because sometimes parasites and bugs and all kinds of disease would, would, would try to infect the flock and the shepherd would have to draw the sheep in for in inspection. And sometimes God does that to us. And what we think is discipline is really God's compassion and love because he's inspecting us. And that's a good thing. But he would also use the, the staff to guide the sheep. If they started wandering off, he would gently lay the, the, the staff on its side and just put a little bit of pressure to ease the sheep back on to the right path. And these brought peace 
It brought comfort. David says, your rod and your staff, your strength and your compassion, they bring me comfort because I know that my shepherd is at my defense and I know he's guiding me. I know he's standing between me and whatever I'm facing and I know that he's leading me through the valley. God will enable you to pass through, check this out, what he's already defeated. David calls it the valley of what? The shadow of death. Jesus already defeated death. So we just have to face its shadow. Well, what does that mean? Would you rather get hit by a truck or by the truck's shadow? Silly question. Good point. Jesus got ran over by the truck of death so that you and I would only ever have to face its shadow. We, we can pass through what he's already defeated. It might be scary, yes. It, it, it's going to be scary, but, but we, we, we might face death, but thanks to Jesus, we only face its shadow in the valley. And sometimes facing that shadow of the valley, the, the valley of the shadow of death is a gift, not a curse. We think every valley is a curse, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a gift. What in the world are you talking about? Real quick, quick as, I, as, as I wrap up this morning, let me tell you this hypothetical story so that you understand what I'm talking about. Suppose you borrow a friend's car, right? You, your car's in the shop, okay? And you get in, and the car's a little older. It does, like, uh, you know, the radio doesn't work, but who listens to the radio? But anyway, it doesn't work, and your phone's, dot, your, your phone's dead, and it doesn't have any, like, connection, right? And so you got nothing. The only thing this car has available to you is a tape player. Who has tape players anymore? So that's what you think, because you're like, I didn't bring a single tape. Like, what am I going to listen to? i got to drive on the other side of Virginia. I don't even know what I'm going to listen to for five hours. What am I going to do? So you start looking through your friend's stuff, and they've only got one tape. It's a mixtape of classical music. That's all. That's all you got. You got a classical music mixtape. Nothing with a beat, no country and western, no uh, you know, nothing. You, you, got, you got Beethoven. That's all you got. And you're like, Phew. so you drive for an hour, two hours, nothing, just silence. But eventually it's like, I can only talk to myself for so long. And so you grab the, 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 the classical mixtape and you pop it in the tape player and you start it up and the ten, you hear the tenors and the violins and you're like, this is tolerable, you know. Like, I just, I just needed some sound in this drive. It's just monotonous to killing me. But then you kind of start picking up on the swells, and you hear the cellos, and you're like, it's kind of good. And you start feeling it, and you start getting into it, and you're like, man, this, this isn't so bad. Like, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of enjoying this music. Let me ask you a question. Would you have ever made that discovery that you like classical music on your own? No. What led you to it? What, what made you hear music that you'd never heard before? You had no other choice. You had nothing else to listen to. You had nowhere else to turn. When the silence was too loud, you took a chance on a song you'd never heard. God, God has rhythms that will make your heart dance. 
God has lyrics that will stir your imagination. You want to get to the mountaintop? He can take you there. You want, to, you want to lay down in peace? He can soothe your soul. But first, he has to quiet the noise in your life. Would God really do that? Would he, get, would he, would he toss all the, the CDs and the phones and the MP3 play? Would he really do that? Yeah, friends start turning away. Your job goes south. Your spouse doesn't understand what you're going through. And one by one, the options are eliminated until all you have left to listen to is God. Would he do that? Yes, because he disciplines those he loves. And if he has to silence every voice in, in, in your life to get you to hear his music, he'll do it. Why? Because he wants you to know. You walk through that valley, he's got you. He wants you to know his, 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 his voice so that you can discover, just like David did, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are here. You're here. The Lord is near. And when you're here, everything is different. Everything has changed. I can make it through this. You got my defense. You got, you got peace for me to make it through. You got a rod and a staff, and they're comforting me as I'm walking through this thing. So I don't know what place you're in in the valley. Maybe you're here, and you're in the middle of it, and, and, and all those other competing voices are just being silenced by the, 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 the silence of the valley. This is a great time for you. It's a great time. Yeah, it's a great time. God wants to do something in the valley that he can't do on the mountain. He wants to take you somewhere in the valley he can't take you on the mountain. He wants to speak something into your life in a fresh way. Maybe you're walking into it. Maybe you're walking out of it. Maybe you're walking out of it and you're like, what was that all about? God wants to show you his purpose. God wants to show you his presence and God wants to give you his peace. So don't leave the valley before you get those. Before you see those, maybe you're about to walk into the valley. You don't have to be afraid. He's got a purpose. He's going to get you through this. He's not going to leave you. As a matter of fact, while you're in the valley, he can fill you with peace. Wherever you're at today, wherever you're, whatever you're doing, whatever, whatever, wherever stage of the valley you're in, God's got you. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.